Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I might chip out, man. I got this, yeah. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time to listen to Reese and Dan on the Ankle Pick Pod. Welcome back, Ankle Pickers. We are here on a lovely Thursday evening. Country Club Kobe and I found out we have the same illness and dank wagers. Danny's sweating the Red Wings while talking dirty to me about the Kraken. Gentlemen, how are we? What up, what up? Feeling great. Weather's shit in Austin right now. We're going through a storm. So I How got no shit idea. shit? Talk to me. How shit shit? Are we talking like down? Okay. Okay. Hopefully you don't cut out because you are the recorder here. Dan, your head belongs in a PFL hat. For those watching on YouTube, drop a little PFL comment because Danny's looking fresher than a mug. You know, we've got a PFL, uh, I won't say graduate, but a PFL experienced fighter <laughs> in, in Loic Radz- Radzikov, uh kicking off this two, yes. 285 so I figured it'd be appropriate I love it and we and we will get there because I I taped that and um I will not be able to pronounce the name still but I have a decent read on it so I'm excited to get there but let's before we get there we're gonna go through a quick recap <clears throat> clear my throat there quick recap of last week's UFC Vegas 71. Two, 70. three, seventy. Um, where the main event got scrapped and they need to redo the poster because Brendan Allen wants his mug on there. But we'll start with let's see. We're gonna go Joe Selecki. No, you know what? We're gonna go Naral Aleve. Where's Rafael Alves? Majority decision because Aleve is nine and oh, looked apart. And I mainly want to direct this towards Dan. Dan, what's your takeaway from this? Because uh Alves Rafael Alves is very, very dangerous. Aliyev's oh, I totally very, think very that, young. I totally think what we saw from Aliyev is something to notice. But I thought you were going to direct me towards a question about the bite or the phantom bite. Um, whatever. I, it, whatever we were getting it may there. Be. Yeah, we were we were getting there because it was a majority decision. So now that we are there, now that we are there, let's talk about the phantom bite that apparently happened on a fish hook. Uh, Mark Smith saw bites. Something like that. Uh, they went to the replay, and it almost looked like Elvis was pushing on the jaw or something, and then the ref decided, based on the the marks on the finger, that even though they didn't have a, a clear replay, it was enough to deduct a point, which was interesting to me. Um, I'm not sure how much I like the principle of that, but it, it probably was the right decision. Yeah, I, I say with confidence. Yeah, I mean, it, it the evidence apparently was there at the bite, but it's like it kind of reminded me of Chandler Poirier, where if someone's fish hooking you and you you just got to make sure you get marks and you get a point is it, it, it was a weird situation. And I'm glad it didn't end up becoming a factor. Totally. Dan, your boy, human backpack, Joe Selecki. Did it again up on Carl Deaton. Yeah, he he backpacked him the whole first round. Second round, much the same until he finally choked him out. There's your first bonus of the night. Wow. See, I wasn't sure that was going to get a bonus due to the size of the line and the expected Joe Selecki backpack. I got news for you. 
Hmm. Every finisher got a bonus this week. Wow. Gotta love that. So okay, well, I we'll get I think, to a few of them. But yeah, okay. we'll skip ahead. So Charles Johnson's very active. He dropped a split decision to Ode Osborne. Wasn't upset about the decision, seemed fine. Um, okay, Jordan Levitt, bro. The new okay. knockout king, Jordan Levitt. What the f- so Jordan Levitt throws a vicious knee. I think it was a it was three knees in a row, followed up by punches, knocks out Victor Martinez. And this is one that I cited for an insta bonus, but Jordan Levitt's a guy who gets pretty styled on by Patty Pimlet, who's getting no love for his skill as of recent, but comes out and really for a guy who's known for grappling and submission, he put he put the work on Victor Martinez. And that's man. the point right there. For a guy that has been a one-trick pony, has been one-dimensional, like we say about a lot of fighters, um, in, in his entire UFC career, he came and shut up a lot of people. Yeah, it was perf- it was it was um impressive for sure. And his only I think he said, I don't know if it's his first full pro career or just it's his full pro career. I'm looking now. He only had one finish and it was that Matt Wyman slam in his debut. And he was saying, oh, that doesn't even count as a, a finish. It's so, you know, fluky. So seeing the knees to the punches, uh, TKO, I'm liking what I'm seeing out of the syndicate MMA youngster, 27. thought he was older. I'm not ready to go so far. I, st- I still think the monkey king is going to monkey king. But uh, I just think that if you have a guy who can put strikes together, but also can, can grapple Danny, maybe, maybe he's slick with it, but I wouldn't say he's a dominant grappler. Uh, that's fair. Cause if he was the, the Patty Pimlin wouldn't have gone so horribly. Um, Trevor peak is going to 1 million bajillion percent be a potential fade for Dan and I, I mean, it is not, I've never seen anything more potential fade, like beats up on Eric Gonzalez. Eric Gonzalez was a, the ugly duckling, the, the sheep that didn't really belong. And Trevor Peak had difficulty putting him away, but the rawness and the wildness of his strikes to me was if you get a a technical striker, Peak, if Peak comes slots in at the favorite, you have a dead man walking, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, he he kind of defines swinging and banging. Yeah. Um, and for a non-heavyweight, that's not really a strategy you can have it have and expect to have any kind of history. They like you said, there's gonna be someone more technical that's gonna pick them apart and we'll be all over it. So I'm interested to see how matchmakers handle that because I think that not only does Dana love his contender series guys, but he's he's decent on the mic and he had a other I know Dana hates when people talk about Jesus, but like he he was he was he seems like a guy that people want to get behind. So I'm interested to see where the matchmaking goes from here. So this Bruce was my Buffer had a whole thing with him afterwards where he gave him the, his, his card, like Bruce Buffer, like, I don't know how many people he's done it for in the past, but friend he said, of the podcast, Bruce Buffer got to remind yeah. some people. Yeah. yeah. An ankle pick favorite. Wait, he gave him the card that he was reading off of. Yeah. Oh. Which only, which he's only done like two or three times or something. Yeah. I was going to say Trevor peak seemed like he was, over the moon with even like being adjacent to Bruce Buffer. So I think Bruce probably appreciated that the, the appreciation for the sport. And the thing I love about Trevor peak is as, as wild as his style is, he was so over the moon with the whole experience. You got to respect it for a guy who's just happy to be there living his dream. So we'll see, but unfortunately as great as that is, 
fade God coming up. This would have been my, I would have pushed for this to be the ankle lock. Um, Mike Malott, submission arm triangle over Johan Lanessi. Yo, Dan and I backed Johan in the past because of his striking that we thought would would be the difference maker, and he barely edged it out. We got lucky. Mike Malott's a finisher. Uh, didn't see a submission, a submission coming, but I mean, I don't know. I don't know if there's much to make of this other than Mike Malott just outclassed a guy who probably is fringe UFC. Totally. And I think it's the same kind of stuff that we saw with Gabe Green. It's once this becomes a grappling match or once any grappling's involved, Liness is just not the guy that you want to be backing. But even in the striking exchanges, I wasn't like, I, it didn't seem like Johan was all of a sudden just significantly better than Malat. Like Malat was getting his and even before it went to the mat. Um, but I agree. I don't know what's next for Yonessi, but Malat, young, good on the mic, finisher. I'm sure Dana loves what he's seeing. So we got 50K for Peak, 50K for Malat, 50K for Levitt, 50K for returning Tatiana Suarez beats up on Montana De La Rosa. Very happy to see Tatiana Suarez looking her old form. Um, anything to add outside the fact that she had a three-year layoff comes, looks the part. Is there something you were worried about? Is there something you want to take away from being like, wow, that's amazing? Um, a- anything with in regards to this fight at all? No, I just think Flyweight's on notice. I think she's totally stepped back into being a t- contender right away. And I'm sure Kobe, because he scours the news, has seen the wardrobe malfunction debate around this fight. I believe they said a takedown was secured because... Uh, Montana De La Rosa's top was coming off or something. I mean, Tatiana would have gotten it either way, but um, I know people were talking about how Michelle Watterson wears a top shirt and whatever, whatever. Second favorite bet of the night, also cashed. Augusto Sakai beat up on Dontel Mays. And this to me is simply just there's levels to this. And it's very like Dontel Mays, uh, beat up bad on like the Josh Parisians of the world, made him look like a world-class grappler or the Roque Martinez of the world. But when you get to a guy like Augusto Sakai, who he beats up on the Dantel Mazes of the world, very one-sided fight. But then you get to the next level of the, the Biggie Boy Rosenstroikes, the Overeem, the Tai Tuivasas, the Spivaks, and he falls short. So I don't know how much this, how much headwinds this makes in the heavyweight division. It just reminded me again that this there's just so many levels to this game. You know who he went to the third round with, not to bury my lead? Huh. Cyril Gahn, one half of our main event of 285. Look at that. Look at that. I don't know if that's – is that a net positive or a net loss? I think it's a detraction on, on Cyril. Okay. That's you got to put guys to like it. Dante Mesa out – I'm in, and and you were a guy who was an early serial adopter, so I'm excited to see your take on this fight. And I've been back and forth on it. We'll get there shortly. Main event. So the news, the big, big, big news was day of fight. Um, we lost a lot of fights on this card, but day of fight. Nikita Krylov falls ill. Ryan Span, Nikita Krylov, main event gets called off. It is rebooked, Kobe, not to bury news and notes, but it's it's rebooked for when? 3-11. So the week after okay. the 285. 
Yeah. So literally next after this, a week from Saturday, um, that Marab card, but you mean so that, that Kyoto Jan card? No, the Marab card. So who's the A side? Jan versus Davos Vili. All right. Well, so long story short, Krylov Spawn Spawn Span moved, um, along other a bunch of other uh scratches like Haley Cowan, Aylin Perez never happened, amongst others. But so Krylov Span moved. So the new main event was our boy Brendan Allen versus our other boy Andre Mooney's. Allen gets the job done via submission rear naked choke at the very final seconds of uh, 30 seconds left in round three. Danny, what's your, I want to know your takeaway from this fight because Brendan Allen's a guy we've backed in the past. Andre Mooney's is a guy that we've been thoroughly, thoroughly impressed with. Matchup wise matchups make fights, obviously styles make fights. This was an interesting matchup because of the grappling prowess on both sides and the lack thereof striking on both sides. What's your main takeaway from not only the middleweight division, but this fight? So I've got a main takeaway. Um, and there's kind of a hot take involved here, but it, essentially it's a strategy that I think we'll be able to use and uh, profit on going forward. And there's something in this fight that was eerily similar to um, Fluffy Hernandez tapping out um, Adolfo. Adolfo Vieira. And it's these matchups where I still don't think after Brendan Allen tapped out Andre Muniz that he's better on the mat or that he's no. more skilled submission grappler. Um, but I do think that there's this matchup that you see where it's high level jujitsu practitioners against grinders that once they get tired, the jujitsu goes out the window. Once that grip becomes compromised, all of a sudden you're a one dimensional bag that that can't really compete anywhere else and i think that that's really what it was it was the veteran savvy the fight iq um and obviously brendan being skilled everywhere and, and more skilled than mooney's on the feet he didn't lose maybe a second of this fight um really impressed from brandon allen but i do think it's totally uh exposing a matchup that i'm going to look for in the future of, of grinder style fighters that can survive versus jujitsu experts who are sub or bust. Well, the question I wanted to ask you is, do you put Mooney's in that sub or bust category with Adolfo? Do you think he's truly that one-dimensional? Well, so I I, I didn't so much, uh, but I do think once you get him tired, that's it. it he's mm. not a guy that's going to face adversity, climb back, fight for your money, bite down on that mouthpiece. And that's something we knew Brendan Allen was going to do. Right. I'll put my hand up and say I was completely wrong. I thought that the second it hit the mat, we'd see the levels. But um, I, I think the gas tanks played a big port or a big part in how successful Brendan Allen was. Yeah, and that's happened a lot. So Brendan Allen's a guy that we've always backed in the past, but Mooney's is in a similar vein. So it was two guys we're big fan of going toe to toe. I think Mooney's will be back, but it's a, that's an interesting note by you, and it's also an interesting note where if you can dial in that spot. Fluffy Hernandez, 20 to one to win by sub. Brendan Allen was like nine or 10 to one to win by sub. If you can identify a more one-dimensional fighter who could gas out, that sub prop could be highly profitable on the other side. Especially with the guys like Vieira and Muniz who, when they panic, it's not even a panic wrestle. It's a panic pull guard. Mm -hmm. This is where I'm comfortable. And all of a sudden it's a hurt 
tired fighter in, in a bad position because that's the only way they see that they can maybe come come with an with a reversal or a sweep to t- change the tide. Yeah, that, it, that is an interesting perspective. And, it, and the thing, too, the last thing before we close the book on this is I do think Mooney's can adjust. I mean, he, he had 15 submission wins. That was his first submission loss. I mean, he's a guy who definitely leans one-sided, but can definitely round out his game. He's on, he's very, I don't want to say raw, raw is the wrong word, but he's, he only has like five or six UFC fights. So he's newer to the big show, but Brendan Allen on the other side, I'm happy to see him getting the love he deserves. Cause you and I have been a big Brendan Allen guys for a while. I know we took, we took a hit on the Sean Strickland, which he's calling to run back. And I think also maybe even, I think we laid off the Chris Curtis, if I remember correctly, but Brennan Allen, I'm, I was I'm happy Chris to Curtis see there. What's up? I was all over Chris Curtis. We might've been on Chris Curtis. I was about to say, we might've, I, I can't remember, but I'm glad to see Brendan Allen getting the respect on his name, especially after the Christoph Jocko win. Now we're getting another sub win over Andre Mooney's. And you're looking at a guy who's a top, 10 middleweight now from unranked or at least top 15. So all in all for as much fight cancellations there were and as much shuffling and a lot of finishes, a lot of good fights, thoroughly entertained, another great event in the books. And let's move on. I don't know. Oh, Bellator 291 was last week. I just wanted to ask or add that um, Yaroslav Amazov, took down Logan Storley in the title fight. And it's very impressive. Amazov, for those who know, he's uh, fights out of Ukraine, born in Ukraine. So he took two or almost three years off to fight for the Ukrainian army. And he somehow came back even better and just completely wiped the floor with Logan Storley. Also, Jeremy Kennedy got the win. And I, I back Jeremy Kennedy every time he fights and he literally wins every fucking time. So shout out Jeremy Kennedy. Impressive performance by Amazov. Good Bellator card in the books as well. Okay. That's also it. keep an eye out for, yeah. for Kasan Magomed Sheripov. Mm. Lo- love that there's another Magomed Sheripov in the sport. We need more. We mean we need more Magomeds and we need more Sheripovs. So I'm all in when you combine the two. Um Kobe, take over. Going in order. Uh Pavlovich is in Vegas this week. He is your Heavyweight title fight backup fighter between Gon oh. and John Jones. That's fresh news today. And there I'm were rumors little... behind that. And I I had been sitting here at home hoping that because Dana was kind of keeping it under wraps of who it was. And I was hoping that DC had put his hand up of like put me as the late notice guy. Oh. I, I this is the fight I that want. Was heavyweight, never, my was realm. Never. Do we think that DC can make 265 these days? No. <laughs> He literally thinking, oh, it's a pipe dream over here. But he literally DC looks like DC. having John at heavyweight. I think that he would invite that. No, so he. So I'm a little shocked that it. I mean, I'm not totally shocked, but I'm I'm kind of shocked that they went with Pavlovich over Blades. That was my big takeaway from that. Is Pavlovich is like the new up and comer where I feel like Blades has kind of been running this division for a while. I know that Derek Lewis KOs a blemish, but like. Outside of his two cracks with Francis, he's been pretty much flawless in this division. So Pavlovich, for a guy who kind of came out of nowhere, a guy that we got even money against Tuivasa and even and even money against Derek Lewis, it, it, it's 
shocking that he all of a sudden is the title match sub over a guy like Blades, who's really been, it, it makes me think it kind of doesn't sense. matter. Hopefully it doesn't matter. And those guys are, are scheduled against each other in April. So we'll fair, fair, out. fair. Sorry. Um, all right. Darren Till news this week was that he was cut and released of his contract in the UFC. I know that he went on what MMA hour or something and was talking about maybe some injections to his knee and helping that recover and maybe needing to step aside and getting away from USADA, but <laughs> yeah, maybe some injections somewhere else. Yeah, let's call a spade a spade. Darren Till is one of the bigger hype train derailments I've ever seen. And I don't mean any disrespect to him, but when he knocked out Donald Cerrone, he was talking about how he's going to be the absolute best to ever grace the sport. He got a lucky victory nod against Wonder Boy in London, which is home cooking, okay. But uh, ever since Woodley styled on him, it seems like we lost a man. <laughs> like we just, I don't know what happened. Um, I hope to see Darren Till comes back. He's a great personality, but I- I'm sad because I really thought we were looking at a guy who was going to be a perennial or a, a at least a champion at some point. So to see this type of derailment is sad. And I, I hope his knee heals. I-, I really do. I hope the best for him. But this is something, I- if you asked me four years ago, I never would have seen coming. Never forget when our charismatic host, our resident sharp, Kingpin MMA, took Darren Till over Robert Whitaker. Rip. I got. I'm a, I, mark this in the calendar because I have a comeback for Dan later in the show. I've been cooking up an insult, and now it's free fire. I know. I know where it's coming. Yeah, we all know the matchup. <laughs> I got to get my shots in. No, I. I know that. I know that fight's coming up. <laughs> um. All right. We have a fight that we can set the spread for. I don't remember whether we've announced this fight or not, but middleweight at UFC 286. It's not the co-main. It's not the main. But it is Marvin Vittori and Roman Delice, Reese of Italian blood and Danny of Georgian blood. <laughs> um, Cheers. Danny. I totally do have to get a Georgian flag and hang it. You do. Me. You do. Danny's got I, I just totally have to wait until game. wait, wait, Liberion wait, though. Shuts down wait, though. Rob. I was about to say, March 11th, I believe, one half of that co main event's Georgian. Yeah, I won't have a Georgian flag be until that one's you, over. You love Marab. I don't even I do. I, yeah, I'm a, a Marab fan. Rob. I'm a Marab fan. Piotr Jan's the best in the world. Three no three in matches on the year. Danny's up 1 0 in this game, so he will lead this one off. Vittori to lead the. This one opened today. Really tough one to line. I'm not gonna lie. Um, Marvin Vittori has almost fallen into that Darren Till Paulo Costa category of more of a meme than a fighter these days. And I say that with a little bit of jest because he's a lot more active than those guys, and he's got a win over Paulo. but he, he's been a guy who talks a lot more than he can back up. And on the other side, you have a perennially, perennially underrated Roman Delize coming off of a dominant win as an underdog once again to Jack Hermanson, proving that he can hang with, with the guys of Vittori's level. Um, it's tough because I, I kind of want to have Roman Delize as a favorite. But ultimately, I don't think he will be. I, I do think that Vittori's 
presence and Vittori's stature and 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 really just his experience is um gonna put him over the top. I mean, we're talking four fights ago, Roman Delizia lost to Trevin Giles. Um so Marvin Vittori is gonna be the favorite here, but it's going to be close. Like I said, I wanted Delizia to be the favorite. I'm going Marvin Vittori minus 135. Okay. Yeah, Dan and I did the same runaround to ultimately get to the same result. I've been backing Delidze as a dog because, honestly, because of Dan. Dan's really talked up Delidze, talked about how well-rounded he is, talked about especially his grappling prowess, so I had a ticket out there. It was tough. I was was high on him coming in. Split decision, John Allen. Followed by a loss to Trevin Giles. And I'm still like, no, he's the guy. Yeah. No, it's definitely come full circle for you. But when you looked, to me, the coming out party for him was the Kyle Dawkins win. Obviously hasn't aged as well because Dawkins hasn't really recovered since. But when I... When I, I've gotten good money on him against Phil Hawes. I got really good money in on him against Jack uh, Hermanson. And both were incredible performances. But I, I think that as much as I think people are going to be looking to back to lead, say, at the dog here or like that price as the dog here, I think you still have a guy in Marvin Vittori who's fought for the title. I think you still have a guy in Marvin Vittori who's gone five rounds with Izzy Costa Whitaker um, I think Delete says he's going to have a tougher time getting him to the mat than he has in the past. I think he's going to have a tougher time on the feet than he has in the past. And so I think that kind of what Dan pretty much said, ultimately, Vittori's a little bit more proven, a little bit more steady than a Roman Delete say who's just really coming into form. You mentioned trouble getting him to the mat. You remember the last time he fought an Italian in Staropoli? Oh my or star god. Star is not Italian. Yeah, he, he's he just he just held him the whole but, time. Yeah, okay. An undersized Star Polly. I'm not even talking about that fight. I can't even get into it. I would cry. Do you remember the time he tried to take Trevin Giles to the mat? No, just, um, long story short, Vittori's gonna be the favorite. I'm gonna smidge over Dan a little bit just because I think but as much as I also thought it could go to Leeds being the favorite. I'm not buying it. I'm going to go a little bit over Dan. I think 35 is a little low. Uh, I, I probably would slot this in all reality closer to the Tory minus 165, but I'm going to go 140 for the sake of my pride. No pride necessary on this one. 270 Vittori on Caesars. Coming back the other way, deletes at 220 plus 220. So a big old number. Wow. Um, I don't know how people have that much faith in Marvin. Can, at this point. Where where did that open? Out of curiosity, it that's opened, kind of insulting. No movement yet. I actually might get on there. I might hop on for a little bit. Uh, is it available? Where is it available on the U.S. Caesar, books? Caesar's Sports. Caesar's is in the, the last okay. three years. Vittori's only wins are Paulo Costa and Kevin Holland. No, Mark. Mark's totally in that meme category. Deleuze went three and zero as an underdog last year. Mark my words right now, that line will regress. I can't tell you it's going to win for sure. I promise you it's going to come off that open. I would be shocked if if big ticket bettors or sharp bettors were betting Vittoria to, what'd you say, 70? That's nuts. Yep. No chance. That's nuts. Um, 
we're now all caught up on UFC 286. So the Caesars have got lines for every one of those fights. You guys are free to check those out. That's Gaethje Fazeev. Yep. That's uh, Kamaru Leon. Who else am I missing? That's on my birthday. True story. Happy birthday. That's March 18th, right? Happy birthday. Yep. Thanks, boys. It's going to be right, a special show for us. I think Danny owes me a couple malorts as a birthday gift. Special show. You know what? I was at a bachelor party this weekend that I drank Malort at. For fun? Well, as a horse race punishment. Damn I respect thing. that. I respect Shout that. Shout out Malort, which has a unique botanical, botanical <laughs> taste. Uh, it's enjoyed by two-fisted drinkers, two-fisted betters alike. The full-bodied flavor of an unusual botanical. Speaking of two-fisted line. drinkers and two-fisted betters, Bare Knuckle FC, April yep. 29th. Wild. I saw this card. I didn't even believe it. Well, two big fights to announce on it, and a couple guys that we haven't seen in Bare Knuckle before, but Mike Perry and Luke Rockhold will be headlining Eddie Alvarez and Chad Mendez below him. Cannot believe the Luke Rockhold to BKFC, and I could not believe Eddie Alvarez to BKFC. I was like, Notoriously strong-chinned Luke Rockhold. Right. The B- BKFC is going to fare so well for him. I, also, I'm actually really excited for that uh, Alvarez um, Mendez matchup. Now, I, I think Alvarez is going to get the better of him just because it's box. I would like to see that in like an MMA type setting because Mendez is going to lean on that wrestling and be interesting. But I feel like Alvarez is probably going to be a pretty slotted favorite, don't you think? Probably. Where do you guys um, have Terry? I haven't seen lines at all. So well, Perry's know. significantly undersized there, which is interesting. Which but makes Perry's me, like Rockle put up a fight against Paulo. The oh, best yeah, that quality that Perry has in a fighter is like you can take a baseball that bat and mm. like pitch it fastball, hit, give the fucking bat to Shohei Otani, and he's gonna walk away. No, it's Mike Perry's the definition of a guy who was born to fight. All right. I'm going to be watching that. Also, really quickly, I want to deliver this live on air. Dan, Kraken, overtime winner. Oliver Bjorkstrand, tough loss, brother. Yeah, watch All right, proceed to the highlighted route and then select guide for more options. Two more pieces of news, both location announcements for pay-per-view cards. UFC 288 announced that's May 6th for the Prudential Center in New Jersey. Okay. And... UFC 290 also announced that's July 8th, the capper of International Fight Week back at T-Mobile Center in Las Vegas. Okay. International Fight Week over the 4th of July. Nothing says international like celebrating America in Vegas. In years past, and I don't know if this is still how it is, but in International Fight Week, they have the main event to tough the day before the card. So it's like... That Friday night, it's the tough main event card. So it's everyone that fought in tough. And then like uh, they'll do a headliner, like some random fight. And then the next day is that pay-per-view card for International Fight Week that has the draws. That's I wonder, I don't know what that timeline looks up for the Chandler Connor season, but that's interesting. That's all I got for news and notes. You guys got anything to add? Um, the only thing I have to add was I saw that, um, 
Paige Van Zant got an OnlyFans. You know, for the boys, I'm on top of it, all over the place. And I'll tell you, it delivers. It's it's good. So just do some digging. Um, you're welcome. And that's the news for me. That was one of those things. That was the highlight because that's one of those things I've always dreamed about. I think I've even like late night. I pray to God. I'm like God. Thank you so much for such an amazing day. Yada, yada, yada. Also, please have Paige Van Zandt start an OnlyFans. So anyways, delivered. So Reese is all too familiar with Austin Vanderford, it seems. I fade him every time. Worked like a charm. They they had him against Gagar Musasi or something, and he was barely a dog. I was like, all right, good joke. All right. <laughs> that, that, that is true. UFC 285. It seems like I'm joking. That is true news. So you're welcome. UFC 285. This weekend, March 4th, T-Mobile Center, Las Vegas, Nevada, 9 p.m. Central Time, main card. That's 7 p.m. local and 1.30 p.m. local time prelims, 4.30 Central. Dan, before we start breaking on this card, I got a question for you. How many bets are you – I mean, what, what are you looking at as far as bets go on this card? How are you feeling? I'm looking at a couple. Obviously, couple? it's – pay-per-view card a lot of attention a lot of these are beat up but I, I do see some dog spots and I, I do see some some spots where i'm intrigued good i'm excited kobe can you do me a favor get on best fight odds click the parlay tab because i want to start building one as we go through the card hopefully scrap one that 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 shows some weight near the end some of you know some of danny, some of danny and i's favorites so we'll start with build it Radzibov versus Esteban Rebovisk. Rebovis. Rebovis. Taping these guys all week, still can't pronounce it. But Radzibov, I, I is the rightful. Let's see. So Radzibov minus 300, Rebovis plus 230. And I really want to hear Dan's take on this because I. So. I'll get into it. So Radzivov is the PFL vet fights out of Killcliffe FC that Dan was talking about. And he's taking on Esteban Rivovich, who Rivovitz, Rivovitz, who's coming off contender series, um, right hook ground and pound over Thomas Paul. And he's undefeated at a whopping 11 and coming in. So plus two thirty on an undefeated fighter, Dan, give me the breakdown. Yeah. For me, I, stylistically, I have Rods above, head and shoulders above him, uh, both in, in terms of just the matchup and also the skill level that they've faced coming up to this point. Uh, where I'm hesitant is the short notice aspect. I think there was a whole issue with, like, Loic being selected for the ultimate fighter season yep. and, and he being part of the group that Connor removed, and this is kind of the UFC's apology to him. And so it's, it's all happened really fast. He's obviously been training, but he hasn't been preparing for Esteban. This isn't a matchup he's taking as seriously. I'm not sure if I like laying three to one on it, but I do see him as just the better fighter in this matchup. And his kind of grinding, smothering, grappling style should be a little bit too much for Rebooks to handle. Just huge talent gap. You literally took the words out of my mouth. I was going to mention the tough issues and I also wanted to mention, this is a man who has unanimous decision win over Chris Wade, a guy who has um, beat up on Ahmed Aliyev, a guy who just beat off Zach Zane. That's an Eagle FC, so I'm not putting too much weight into that. But it, especially in the PFL, man, they gave him 
a tough schedule. They gave him all the draws. And I watched, I went through and watched a lot of those and really enjoyed watching a lot of those. But you have a guy, like you said, who, who will really drag this youngster into deep waters. But also, Rebovich is a guy who's, from what I've seen, is li- likes his hands a lot. And I think that as Rodsvolv is going to drag him down and wear him out and drag those arms down, the deeper this fight goes, the better it, it fares for him. So I like this fight, and I like it even more. I think the minus 300, you're right, is a tough spot. But I think that this is one of those patented Danny live bet spots where if maybe Rodsvolv gets start fast. Yeah. If Rizvit starts fast, you could have a nice price on a guy who should be able to weather and drag him deep, um, wear him out. So outside of the short notice aspect, I agree. I I I, I lean Radzvov. Or I really Radzvov. do like that angle. And you look at, right? I mean, even his matchup with Haush Manfield, where it didn't go his way. That was a great fight. If you take Haush Manfield's power, I'm not sure this this Rivovic guy has got something for you. It's not possible. I would be shocked. I'd be shocked. Um, Varad, but, but look really quickly before we move on, um, Radzivov, Radzivov agreed. No, no parlay, little steep, no parlay for me. I'm looking at the over one and a half that, that is appetizing. It's like minus one sixty, minus one seventy, uh, a couple of different places, but, uh, we can sink in there. Dan K wagers is notoriously square when it comes to props, props and women, baby and heavyweights. Uh, Farid Basharat takes on Demond Blackshear, and Basharat's a whopping favorite here. Basharat's minus 410 over on DK, plus 330 on Blackshear on the other side. Dan, Blackshear's a guy that we, or me, I, I backed against as a huge dog against Yusuf Salal, and it ended in a majority draw, and it was an upsetting majority draw because it was all Blackshear's fault. He won the first round nice, mixed in the wrestling, won the second round pretty effortlessly, gassed out to unlike anything I've ever seen and gets 10 aided in the third, barely hangs on, goes majority draw. Boshrat's the younger brother of Javid Boshrat, a guy who beat up on our boy, Tony Gravely, and coming off the contender series, but he's he's the younger of the brothers, the, the less experienced of the brothers, and I do not feel comfortable playing 4-10 as much as I don't want to be on Blackshear plus 330, I, I I don't know if you have a better angle at this. No, I, I completely agree. This one's a pass for me. I I like the Basharat side if mm-hmm. you can prove to me he's just as good as, as Javid. Um, but just with that contender series to go off of, I'm not sure if that's enough of a body of work for me. We did see, you mentioned the Gravely fight. It's really, really tough to close the distance and get takedowns against these Basharat guys there. Crazy sharp, crazy accurate, crazy good footwork. Um, and I do think I do think Blackshear needs a takedown to win. So I see why the line's there. I'm not going to – this is another one. It's just there's so many question marks and things that could prove to be wrong about uh, Basharat with the assumptions that he fights the exact same that his brother. Yeah, I don't – I brother actually has two more inches in reach than Javid Basharat. They're both huge for 125. They're also very high IQ'd. So it'll be interesting to see if Boshrat can, like Danny said, keep that distance away. Kobe, you're a marathon guy. What what's the likelihood that Blackshear can can improve his cardio? 
Talk to me, Mr. Marathon. What's the likelihood that he can improve his cardio? It's yeah, and that, in that type. Yeah, here, think- here, I wasn't a marathon guy until I decided to train to run a marathon. So anybody can improve their cardio with time and effort. It's a matter of whether he's done it. I'm all out of drinks to drink to the marathon. Um, okay. I mean, if because if Blackshears can increase that cardio and really drag on Boshrot, that 330 price is going to be an absolute steal. But it's... I agree. It's, it's if he pass. can get a hold of him. It, it's it that might too. not even be about the takedown defense if it, if, if he can get a hand on him. That too. This is also taking place at thirty five. I don't know if the Zalal fight was at. I think it was also at thirty five. Uh, Jessica Penne is taking on Tabitha Ricci at one fifteen. The line's pretty big here as well. Tabitha Ricci minus two thirty. Jessica Penne plus one ninety five. Another pass for me. Who am I to defy science? Same here. We really don't have to spend too much time on this. It, yeah, I'm I with mean, you. There's obviously moving. a huge, huge age gap. I think it's 12 freaking years. Something like um, that. Yeah. We did yeah, stylistically earlier when we were recapping Vegas 70. Can I get? Can I get a please? Please, I don't even remember there being a women's fight on there. Um, Jasmine Jazuda Vicious. Oh, we skipped that one. one yeah, she was a dog one that hit like a plus 105. Okay. And then Tatiana Suarez, who is a like, enormous favorite. Yeah, we so that's the opposite. So, science. What so women's science one and oh, alternate science also one and oh, both are positive this year. Um women's dog science is plus eleven point two five units, alternate science is four and oh plus three point five two units. It's actually a decent return for the 4-0. I would have thought it would have been less, honestly. I'll tell you that we are so, so due for some real negative regression in in this woman's science. No, it's legit. It's just science. But my, I mean, so really quickly, because we're on the subject, but Tabitha Ricci's a girl who she's, she hasn't shown up against a girl like Mannion Farrow, but her toughest test outside of that is Pollyanna Viana. And so it's hard to lay a heavy price when on the alternate side, you have a girl in Jessica Penny who, yes, she's a big age gap. And yes, she's on the older side, but like she's been in this sport forever. She beat up on Carolina Kovalkiewicz. She beat Lupi Godinez via split. Um, she's fought the Andrages, the JJs. Yeah, she's got good BJJ. You know she could I mean? backpack like, you. She could win yeah. rounds. I just... I think that Ricci being primarily a wrestler is knowledgeable enough to avoid Especially those. Especially with high level BJJ as well. I think it, but yeah. I think uh Ricci's kind of got a really comparable skill level to Alupi Godinez. It's just the style is that she's a much more knowledgeable grappler that isn't going to be caught in a bad position for extended periods. Yeah. I would be shocked if anyone had a strong lean either way here. Cause I think there's just too easy to make a totally. counter argument. So this is where I'm nearing my first play slash parlay ad but i'm apprehensive so cameron saman is taking on mana martinez here and saman has regressed a little bit to minus 250 he's seen as high as like minus 305 i think um and uh on the other side he's got mana mana martinez plus 210 so dan here's my angle at this cameron saman has proven he's a south african prospect following the contender series got the finish had some issues against kaslau still got the the finish, but he's extremely young. I think he's like 20, yeah, 22, but he's shown to me that he's very well-rounded can strike with the best of them, but also great, can grapple great kicks. 
Yeah, great kicks, great grappling, good combinations. Mono Martinez is going through the fact that he's switching camps, doesn't have his head coach because he was a glory MMA product. And in the UFC, he barely edged out Brandon Davis, lost to Ronnie Lawrence, got subbed by Draco Rodriguez, who's cut, and really beat up on the 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 lower, I mean, split decision over Guido Canetti. Like I, I feel like a guy like Saman is a, a, this is the type of price tag that you look back on and you're like, yeah, I got him minus two Oh five against or two fifty against whoever the fuck, you know? Um, so I, I'm tempted to play same in here. I'm not going to lie. I don't disagree. Mana is a guy I've never been crazy impressed with. I had a huge, huge Ronnie Lawrence bet, um, mm. which was looking untouchable for two rounds. And then in the third, Mana Martinez decided, like, my power didn't go anywhere. And it did get shaky, I'll tell you that. He's totally the kind of I guy that, that yeah. he's totally the kind of guy that's willing to take, like, one or two and then just land one harder, um, really relying on his power. Um and yeah, I think the gas tank is, is is there. It's just like you said, it's he's going through a lot in terms of where he's training, what his lifestyle is, and he's never been kind of nearly as high level as Simon's touted to be. Um yeah. this for me is another pass. More now so because I, yeah. more so because of the history I have uh betting against Mana. Um I like the stylistic matchup of Ronnie way more. And that that was way too close for me. I thought that that Mana really out he he performed better than the number. And so it's just interesting though, because Mana got was the first ever submission victory over Dr- for Draco Rodriguez. And Samana is significantly better on the on, in the grappling department. I just feel like Mana has so many holes. I, I don't see a situation where he beats Saman, unless I'm missing something, you know, and maybe he outdogs him and, and out experiences him. But from a sheer like technical skill set perspective, I feel like it's it's continuously pointing to the side of Cameron Saman. We'll see. That's an interesting one. I will I would like that very much. Ian Gary takes on Kanan Song, and the line's pretty untouchable. It's Ian Gary minus seven. So it's something crazy. Hold on, let me find Reason it. I'm gonna add him to your parlay. Yeah, add him to my parlay, please. Ian Gary minus 750. Kanan Song plus 500. Dan, take us away. Let's go. Gary, on. I, I think he's really well rounded. He's a raw, raw prospect. I don't think he does anything super elite, but very crisp striking, great size for uh, and strength combo for welterweight. At 25 years old, he's got. Uh, the foundation of some great grappling, the foundation of some really accurate striking. He's got good footwork. Um, he's kind of got to work on his identity, but I, I think he's got all the all the making of a real legit contender. And I think that this is a good matchup for him and a guy that is not as well-rounded as him, is not as good athletically, is dangerous, can crack for sure, but is low volume. And I think that this is a great matchup for Ian Gary to, to get a win on a pay-per-view. So untouchable line, but Ian Gary should get the nod. Yeah, I, I haven't delved into the props for this one at all, but I'm I'm totally on the Ian Gary side. Don't see a ton of value and 
locked yeah. into one, every single play. But one I, one I, of my one of my only thoughts was that Ian Gary's been highly touted since his debut. And outside of that finish of Jordan Williams, he couldn't put away Darian Weeks, couldn't put away Gabe Green. So I think that as as talented as he is you can't lay that type of price on a guy who's as raw as he is. And I, I totally foresee him winning this. It's going to be probably a pretty easy victory for him as well, but I don't know how anyone could justify putting that price tag anywhere. Um, totally. Yeah. And, and I think that there's a serious uh, narrative that he, he might get knocked out maybe by song Kanan, maybe in his next one. And then could still be a future champ. The guy's 25 oh, years old. Yeah. At 28, absolutely. 29, 30, he's going to be a completely different. I mean, look at, look at Islam. Islam right. got knocked out in his UFC debut, totally rerouted the ship, adjusted, and is now considered pound for pound top two. But yeah, I won't say he's untouchable, but I have these guys in completely different categories of who they are and who they can be as fighters. Yeah, I agree. So this is my other potential play and Kobe, I will have you add a form of this to this parlay. Julian Marquez is taking on Mark Andre burial at one eighty five, and the line is close. It's Mark Andre burial minus one fifty. It was not wool. I don't know if this DK line's right. Cause it's one fifty across the board. DK apparently has it at one twenty five. Julian Marquez plus one Oh five. Every other site has one fifty though. So I'm not sure I'm going to actually go with one fifty here. Because I remember seeing it in 150. Julian Marquez plus 125 on the other side. Um, so the play that I like here, Dan, is over one and a half. Um, I actually like it fight to start round two. So it's even a little bit more than the over one and a half. Or I mean, sorry, fight to start round three. Um, fight to start round three is minus 115 each way. I like that. You I get think minus the- 102 at five dimes. Or minus one hundred two at five dimes. I think Kobe for the parlay. I want to add fight to start round two at minus three hundred. But this is a fight where Mark Andre Burial's a guy who definitely is a brawler, but he's really tough to finish. Um, and I know that the Chidi and Chukawani went poorly, um, but he's a guy that continuously, I mean, even though he lost, went to decision with Andrew Sanchez, decision to Christoph Jocko, decision to Jung Young Park, four seconds left before he finished to Azatir. Um, decision, Dolce Lugiambula. Julian Marcus on the other side, the guy that I remember watching in the first season of Contender Series was never super over the moon about. He got finished last time out by Hobo Cop, but. And it looked terrible. Look terrible, but it, it seems to me like this is something that can drag out. I don't think this is going to be the most exciting fight, but I don't want to back either of these guys. I just think that this is going to be one of those boring-ish stand and trade a little bit, but it, it eventually goes over. I I, I got to say, I'm leaning on the MAB side. And if it comes back down to the 140, 135 area, I'll, I'll probably be on it. Marquez for me has just been trending down and down and down. And watching this fight tape this week was, yeah, it was really, hard. really unique. Like I, I didn't realize how much he had been trending down, but even the Maki Patolo and Sam Alvey wins, like, yeah, he's losing the first round, round and a half. It, Maki Patolo, good he, look. I felt like he lost every second until he didn't. 
totally. And and it's, I mean, the the hobo cop one was brutal. You could have you could have stopped that a minute earlier. It felt like he felt like was just we were there brutalized by every punch. You guys were there live. Was that in Austin? Yeah. And it it was. I mean, the crowd was saying "Olay" every time he swayed because we thought he was yeah. going to fall. Um, I do like the MAB. He's got high volume. He's super tough, like you said. Hard high to finish. Volume, yeah. Gets in your face. Walks you to the cage. Controls kind of where the fight is. Good in the clinch. Um, I just think that he he's like you said the the Chidi and Jokuani fight. Uh, gives you a little bit of pause against another power puncher, another really heavy knockout artist in Julian Marquez. Um, but what I've seen from Marquez isn't that he's got the the hand of God anymore. I, I think that like you like you're expecting MIB can survive them, out volume him, control where the fight is, win the optics among the judges. Um, so yeah, there's a couple different angles yeah. here for for you listeners, for sure. Get that late finish, maybe, but definitely will trend on the later side. Uh, Reese, I also, your fight will start round two. I'm seeing minus two thirty. That's what you want to add here. Perfect. Yep. The other thing too is for this fight in particular, um, it is one fifty on DK. I just checked just to make sure. So that was the best fight odds problem. Vivian Arujo is taking on Amanda Hebas one twenty five. Amanda Hebas is minus 130. Vivian Arujo plus 110. Danny, take us away. The secret place. This is a tough one. Yeah, it is. Science. There's like almost no science. But you got to follow it anyways. Striker versus grappler. Uh, Hebas has been my girl in the past, but as good as she is when the fight hits the mat, she's really lost on the feet and is not, not, not a good wrestler. Um, I'm not sure that she's going to be able to, and definitely not frequently take down Viviani Arojo. And Viviani Arojo is really significant power for women's flyweight. Something you can't ignore. Uh, I think that she's going to tag he boss, or I think she can tag he boss. And as long as she stays on the feet, she'll, he boss will be a fish out of water. So I'm, I'm definitely not, running to bet this but i'm following the science if i do and if it keeps moving yeah. towards the brazilian i'll be on arujo yeah re honestly just retweet what danny said you took the words out of my mouth it just felt like this is a fight that is stylistically could be a problem for he boss if it if it goes to the the wrestling or or if it stays standing honestly because you know what type of fight he wants to bring out of you um and arujo's no slotch on the mat either way so i i don't disagree dan i think that you could find a spot on arujo but it's worth waiting drikas duplessis is taking on Derek brunson at 185 and Derek brunson is coming in at a big dog here plus 200 drikas duplessis minus 240 and Dan, I'm, I really want to hear your take on this because my only take would be to shade the under. I think that if Derek Brunson wants to win this, it's going to be get it to the mat, drag out Drake is Duplessis, eventually get the finish on the mat. But on the other side, Duplessis is a grinder and he's also extremely tough and durable. And so I also wonder like, is Duplessis going to crack Brunson, which is something we've seen 
And especially with Brunson being one foot in, one foot out of, we've heard multiple times that this might be his retirement fight. I, I don't know how, I don't know if you have a side, but I don't know how I could comfortably feel against either of these gentlemen. Can I say something real quick before Danny? Please. But Reese, we, speaking of what you just said, like this could be Derek Brunson's retirement fight. Mm-hmm. Drake's Duplessis last two opponents, Brad Tavares, Darren Till. They're not retired. Well, Brad Tavares might be retired, but Darren Till, that his last fight before leaving the UFC. Getting caught. Yeah. Like, Is Brad Tavares retired? Did he officially walk away? I remember he had some sort of like mental, uh, he, he definitely taken a break. He said he was stepping away for a little bit. I don't think he said the word retired. But, but yeah, I mean, that could be because they like Drake's Duplessis. He's very. Kobe, you're um, thinking of Brad Riddell. Oh, as far as this fighting, I was about to say, Tavares, I don't remember hearing that, but all right, never mind. <laughs> but, but even still, Duplessis is a guy who's very marketable. They definitely want to feed him matchups. They also want to ride him through the middleweight division. Like, if Brunson's on his way out, give him another tough one. But at the same time, like, Brunson was one win away off the blonde. Brunson was one win away from being the next title. Like, I don't know what to make of this. I would be intrigued if anyone had a, a, firm belief on one side or the other. I thought I was going to be on the Brunson side. Um, Ultimately, I think that this this is just not a good matchup for him. If you look deeply at that blonde Brunson run, he's exposing these prospects that have just zero grappling and that, and that real and Darren Till, not so much of a prospect, but, but is um, that not duplicy? I think duplicy It doesn't look the prettiest, but his combination of just strength and aggression makes him really, really hard to control. And I don't think that he has the same kind of lack in defensive wrestling as a Shabazian or as a Till or a Kevin Holland or an Ian Hyannis or an Elias. It's also like it's just not the same. It's also like Marcus Perez, Trevin Giles, Brad Tavares, Darren Till. Like we know Darren Till got cut. We know Darren Till has been on a skid. Brad Zaveras was on Ultimate Fighter fucking four, and there's some shit. He's been around the block for a while, edged him out. You know Trevin Giles is our perennial fade. Don't believe he's with the UFC any longer. We know Marcus President with the UFC any longer. Like, do you think this could be a a sell high on Drikas Duplessis and, and, and potentially get a Brunson who can just take him down and, and drag him out? A guy Ultimately, who- I don't like the number. Okay. I think Duplessis is, is is going to roll in this. I think that so it's does the C your card close. It might in a parlay. It really might. Okay. I, I've I've flipped all the way from this one. I, I definitely thought that this was a spot to take the vet lesson, do uh, Brunson over Duplessis, and I will not be doing that. I'll be fine. Interesting. Okay. Prelim main event, Cody Garbrandt back in action against Trevin Giles, or I mean, Trevin Jones. Fuck, we've been talking about Trevin. How many Trevins are there? Um, So Cody Garbrandt minus 165, Trevin Jones plus 140 on the other side. Dan, tell Cody me how Cody Black you at, back at, fly, or back at bantamweight. Back at bantamweight. After the flyweight experiment. Tell me how you don't take Cody Garbrandt. That's my question to you. It's just all the things surrounding. What do we know? Like we know that Trevin Giles ain't it, or I mean, fuck me. We know that Trevin Jones ain't it. We know that Trevin Jones relies solely on his power, which obviously is a net negative for Garbrandt. 
but Garbrandt's a significantly better striker. He's way more elusive. He's just I, fallen I, so far from I know, UFC but champion still, Cody Garbrandt. He has one win since 2016. I know, but still, this is Trevin Jones he we're talking about. one win since 2016. It's the a Sun Sao hook. Yeah, I know, that, like, I know. The I way know, he I got know. it done wasn't some crazy combo. I mean, it's highlight reel for sure, but it's like, let me reach down as low as I can, telegraph this right hook, and, and he caught a Sun Sao. No, I know. It's... It, no, I know what you're saying. It's more just like you have a guy who has touched the top of the peak. He's definitely fallen, but like he's taken another over a year off. He's returning at his natural weight class and he's taking on Trevin fucking Jones. Like there's a big difference between TJ Dillashaw, Bob Font, Kai Car France, and Trevin Jones. And I think that this could be another buy super low on, on, on Cody Garbrandt's spot. You could definitely be right. Uh, it, it's so hard to do after this stretch he's been on. But so another no play? If if there's a play, yeah, it's a no play for me. It's totally right. a no play for me. Let's keep moving. Main card time, baby. Jamie Pickett survives another fight in the UFC just to be fed to the Lions. He's taking on Bo Nickel. Bo Nickel, last I checked, minus 1,500. Jamie Pickett, plus 950. Um, we don't need to spend too much time here. My only question to you, Dan, Bo Nickel, first round finish, minus 200. Thoughts? Minus 200 sucks. I'm more of the nickel <laughs> by uh, by submission, like minus 150. Okay. I like that too. I mean, dude, Jamie Pickett. Looks like he should be a fucking Mack truck. He's built like the one of the most freak athletes I've ever seen. Fucking sucks. Smoked by Daukas. Smoked by Tolulian. Smoked by Jordan Wright. Lost to Tefan Chukwi. Outside and Nickel, of- as, as big as this line is, he actually might be one of the best wrestlers we've ever seen make the crossover. I, I, I would He's almost argue the- outside of Cejudo. I would probably say he is. He's taken a good amount of time to build out the rest of his game. I remember when he was a senior at Penn State, um, an American top team was talking about building him an entire American top team Happy Valley location because that's the kind of prospect he was in college. And, you know, he's he's backed it up. I do think he runs through trip, or, uh, Jamie Pickett here. No, I mean, if he, it's not – it's one of those things that unless he breaks his knee on the way in, Jamie Pickett truly has a puncher's chance and that's it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's more like, does Bo nickel try to showcase? Does Bo nickel try to he's three, you know, I I think that he's still going to be real nervous. I think that he goes in there, he puts foot on the gas, relies on his bread and butter and gets it out of there as quick as possible. You, you look at his last couple fights, He's he's not trying to see like oh let me no, prove he's not. to the people I can I yeah can he's murdered every time it, it's thirty seconds sixty two seconds fifty two seconds he's gonna grab you and he's gonna choke you out yeah you're looking at a guy that I don't say often but and I know this isn't like a super crazy take but future champion written all over it is wrestling's just too undefendable and especially at that eighty five who has lack thereof wrestling near the top you could see a guy make a real, real, real run. Mate- uh, Mateusz Gamrot taking on Jalen Turner. And Mateusz Gamrot, 
to surprise of a lot of the more casual audience is the favorite here. He's minus 225, um, plus 185 on the other side for Jalen Turner. I like Gamrot here, Dan. It's actually going to be a play for me. And Still, knowing I almost think I missed it. It was 175 up until last week. Really? I think yeah. I missed. Yeah, I mean, I, I still do think so. And the main reason why is the Matt Favola loss. I don't want to harp on something that happened three years ago, four years ago. But like Brock Weaver, I don't even know if I want to count that. And then you look at like Brad Riddell, a guy who's not a wrestler like Gomrod. Here's the thing. Turner, extremely dangerous. If this is on the feet for any kind of extended period of time. He's going to smoke Gamrod. I, yeah, I, but I'm actually yeah. pretty positive there. Um, but yeah, like you said, the the level of competition is just nowhere comparable. Gamrot wrestling, Benny, Gamrot's like ankle pick single leg might be the best in the UFC. Might be the best in all of MMA. It it, it really is the way that he is landing those takedowns on Benny Darius and Armin Sarukian, who might be two of the most proficient grapplers in the history of the sport. It's ridiculous. I, I do think he's going to get Turner down easily and often. Um, Turner can't really throw a kick for the whole fight because Gamrot's going to catch it and, and drive that high single, get it above Jalen's head, and just get him on his butt. The other thing, too, we're talking about a guy in Matus who's a, a Benny Dariush win away from fighting for the title. Now, granted, I know he got his ass handed to him, but like, but he took he Benny down. Four yeah. or five times? I don't know. Matusa's wrestling, like you said, is right there with. So, Kobe, add Gomrot for me. Gamer. I also think I'm going to have. No, I'm not. Uh, so, add, add Gamrot for me. Dan, do you have a play on this at all, or are you passing because the price? Passing. Right. You know, you know what's. Let me. Uh... Let me stick to my, and this is going to end up being like such a terrible narrative. It was a guy that was early on the Shavkat train, but I might actually bet Jeff Neal here. So I'm glad you segued us because Dan threw an early jab. It was a left hook to the body earlier today. I felt it. It hurt my feelings. Once upon a time on set the spread, our resident sharp at dank wagers on Twitter had Shavkat Rachmanov priced as the underdog against Neil Magny. Shavkat's coming in against Jeff Neal here, minus four and change. 500 now, my apologies, minus 550. Um, and at least I don't change because Neil Magny outgrappled Jeff Neal. And here I am saying Jeff Neal's not going to get outgrappled by Shavkat. No, you're, I, I respect your gun. So are you, talk to me. I mean, Jeff Mule, I think is priced to be the play. I'm not, I'm shockingly not betting Shavkat. I'm totally, totally not in the business of fading Shavkat. That, right. that is a fool's measure. Unless it's Niels Magnes. Niels no, Magnes. no, no. It, it is a fool. It is, even in that fight, I, I came around and I, I probably had <laughs> Shavkat in a parlay or two. Um but you look at you look at kind of the the progression of Shavkat and who they've mm -hmm. given him and the steps along the way. This is totally a, a different kind of test, a huge test. A guy who's 
fought the likes of Wonderboy and Vicente Luque and um, Bilal Muhammad and and looked really great. Yeah, dog. It, it's just sometimes he doesn't look so great. Uh, he, he's got real speed and he's got dangerous power for middleweight. He's super athletic. He's good in the clinch most of the time. <laughs> Sometimes he doesn't. He, sometimes he doesn't look the part. I do think that Shavkat's going to eventually be able to close the distance. I mean, he's so dangerous on the feet. He's uh, he, he's your perennial future champ, top prospect, hundred percent finish rate. I think it's even split of subs and knockouts. He, he's like a video game fighter. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is a huge test. This is a huge line. And Jeff Neal's been in there with really, really skilled guys. No doubt. And he beat Bilal, if I remember correctly. Totally. Beat Bilal, defended a bunch beat of takedowns. Vicente, too. So I'm assuming it's just because you're not in the business and it is Shavka on the other side, it's just a pass. It may be a sprinkle. I may have a, a half unit at least. I think I probably will have a half unit on Jeff Neal. One and, line and that's intriguing to say out loud, but it's a big old number. Another line that's intriguing, Dan, is over one and a half minus 150, because I think that Jeff Neal at the very least will be able to survive. Yeah. At the yeah. very least will be able to survive. I love that. Yeah. Right. One I'm cheap. writing that down. You know what? Yeah. Kobe, throw that in that little lacy for me. Over you can one even and do a half a st- our starts round two with that one. Yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. Okay, let's talk gold because UFC flyweight championships on the line. Valentina Shevchenko is taking on Alexa Grasso. Newly looking human Valentina Shevchenko. Yeah. We said in Valentina. the past that forget the tape, forget the matchup, add Valentina to the open parlay and sleep tight. Mm-hmm. Not so much the case against yeah, Tyler no Santos. We've had to sweat out a couple now. So the question is, Dan, Valentina Shevchenko minus 600, Alexa Grasso plus 450. Tell me why Shevchenko doesn't go in this parlay right now. No, Shevchenko goes in this parlay. She's, sure? she's this, this isn't the matchup she's going to lose. I really don't think so. I think she has it coming at some point. You can only be so dominant for so long. Uh, I mean, as we'll talk about in a second with John Jones. But Gra- Grasso, she's a great boxer. Yeah, stylistically. A lot of volumes, yeah. great combinations. Valentina is a better counterpuncher than Grasso is a, a, a combination boxer. Mm-hmm. And the dynamicism and, and the amount of strikes that Valentina has in her arsenal often freezes great strikers with a lot of power into playing Valentina's counter pull game. And I do think that that's going to be the case with Grasso as long as this stays on the feet. Maybe there's a close first and second round of, of, of striking exchanges. And then Valentina remembers, oh, I, I have a crazy wrestling edge here. I'll win the next two. Just take one takedown. Or in Valentina speak, two takedowns over five <laughs> rounds. The classic uh, promo after Nunez got the decision against her. But, yeah, I do think that Valentina mixes in the takedowns late and ultimately just grinds out Grasso. I don't think there's a finish here. Um, 
And if I if if I do, I think that the most likely one's probably a, a Shevchenko sub. But yeah, I think that we see her hold on to her gold and hold on to her belt and her legacy for for this one. Maybe it's a rematch with Santos or maybe an Aaron Blanchfield that that ends up doing it. But I don't think that it's going to be Grasso. Kobe, go ahead and add Valentina to that lace key for me. Um, all right, Dan, this is what I think everyone's been waiting for, including me. John Jones takes on Cyril Ghosn for the newly vacant UFC heavyweight strap. This will be the undisputed heavyweight champion. John Jones. I'm excited to talk this one through. And I'm, I'm going to be honest, I don't me have too. a total side that I'm on right so now. John I've Jones got is the side minus... I'm more likely to bet, and I've got the side I think is more likely to win, and they're not the same side. So John Jones is minus 175, Cyril Ghosn plus 145. Okay. I like Cyril. And there's a couple ways to look at it. Yeah. There, there's the matchup of, of the two fighters in the octagon, what we know about him, what we've seen on paper based on their most recent matchups. And if you analyze that, I don't know how you can see Cyril as a dog. You look at the regression right. that John Jones has had at light heavyweight, fighting the likes of Dominic Reyes. And, I also wouldn't say he looks and, great in this heavyweight build. If we're being honest, it looks like just a chunkier John Jones to me, to me. Now, whether that's total fallacy, that's possible. But from what I've seen from the pictures and him on media day, he basically just looks like he just ate more. <laughs> like, I mean, the, the regression has totally been clear. And in the meantime, I mean, Cyril Ghosn is, is he's not been perfect. He doesn't have a John Jones resume, but he moves like a John Jones. He's a, he's a, he's a, a fast heavyweight. He, he's a heavyweight that moves like a middleweight, similar to how people were describing John when he first came up. And I'm not going to sit here and be the, the y'all must have forgot. John Jones, most likely, I know by Reese's measure, he's the best fighter to yeah. ever fight in the in, He's got to be. Yeah, he's got to be at least in that conversation. But here's the thing. A, everyone regresses at some point. B, John's had so many outside the octagon issues. You don't know where his head or health is at. But C, and more importantly than anything else, you talked about the regression with Santos and Reyes. And he steps up and it's going to come down to style. Okay, John Jones has a phenomenal wrestling background. Haven't seen him use it much. I haven't seen John shoot in the octagon for a very long time. Totally. John has always kind of been, or at least most recently, has kind of been a guy that wants to beat you at your own game. Correct. He took down Daniel Cormier a couple of times, but didn't even think about it when Dominic Reyes was outboxing him for like two right. rounds in a row. And, and and here begs the question. John Jones in media days and in media interviews has been saying, well, Cyril has some of the most glaring holes out of all the heavyweights. He's the least polished. He's a very good kickboxer, but he struggles with X. Francis took him down X. He goes, Francis, a direct quote from John was something like, a little paraphrase, but Francis was gassed out. Francis is used to finishing people in the first round. And in the fifth round and fourth round, Francis on wobbly legs got Cyril, Cyril gone to the mat. The fact that John totally is a concern if you're going right. to back Cyril Gunn. And the fact that John is mentioning that and talking about it and saying that he's shown it, it tells me that John's going to try to maybe implement that. And if that's the case, you're going to have a losing ticket. But 
But if we've seen John from his last two fights, if we've seen the John that tries to beat you at your own game, if we see the John that wants to stand and bang with Cyril, Cyril will be there, be there to hit him, not be there to get hit. I think Cyril Gon's going to... One question I have for you, Dan, is do you think that the sheer size can prevent the takedown? Because John moving to heavyweight, I mean, Cyril is... John's a, still got the reach advantage. Cyril John's is still fucking big, though. I, I kind of disagree with your analysis of just the John Jones physique. I, I think that it's hard to really, look, I, th- I think it's hard to look completely cut when you're putting on 20 pounds, it, like over the course of a couple of years. I, I think that he looks like a heavyweight. I mean, I need to see the advanced at, metrics on his lifting ability. You look at the transformation of DC going from light heavyweight to heavyweight. And <laughs> DC's I, I'm actually so a bowling ball. Though. I'm DC's- not so concerned in the physique of, like I said, the best fighter to ever do it. I just can't confidently say he's the same guy he was three to five years ago. I do think he's going to win. I really do. I just have that gut feeling. But like I said, you analyze that matchup, and there's no reason on earth why he should be the favorite in in 2023. There's just no reason. So my question to you is then, is there a play here for you? There might be. There's so many questions. I, I hate long layoffs. Um, I mean, this has been a move, the, the move to heavyweight he's talked about for 10 years. I've been chomping at the bit to see what it is. This is not so much the matchup I wanted for him. I wanted either like a, I wanted Stipe three years ago. I wanted Nganu for the last year. Um, he's right. There are totally holes in Cyril's defensive grappling. And if this fight ends up being boring and, and John Jones, I'm not going to be so surprised, but there's a lot of things that, that Cyril could totally, totally shock a lot of people here. So let me, let me, let me recap this. Cause I think we're on the same page here where it could be just another John masterclass. It also could be Cyril shocking. What seems to be a lot of people. My final conclusion here is we had a lot of maybes a lot of passes a lot of leans where's dank wager as of right now where what's your card looking like i i'm gonna see myself on that over one and a half in that curtain jerker on low eek okay rubivix i really like that play okay i I'm going to stay away from a whole lot of the next ones, and I'm going to see myself on Mark Andre Barrio. Okay. Um, I'm going to probably have Duplessis in a parlay. Maybe I'm actually not so sure about that as I say it out loud, but I think I'm going to play pick it by sub. You mean nickel, nickel by sub, nickel by sub, nickel by sub. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I was about to say, as long (laughs) as it stays in that minus 150. um, (laughs) And then I didn't, I didn't, we didn't talk about it when we were going through this one, but I am more intrigued by the over one and a half in the Matus Jalen Turner fight than I am in, in, in the actual Gamrot side. Mm. Now that I'm looking at it, it's and minus one forty. On minus one forty-five. Okay. Um, and I think that it, it's almost one in the same. Jalen Turner is going to be 
really game, really dangerous in the first round. It could be like you uh, said for a different fight. It could be a live bet spot after Jalen starts fast, but you know, the takedowns are coming. I do think this one ultimately goes over one and a half. I think it goes over two and a half too. You get plus money there. Um, I'll be, I'll be on some kind of combination of Gamrot or the over here. I'm sure about that. And then for the last three, a sprinkle, I'm talking at maximum half a unit on uh, Jeff Neal, and then probably a full unit on that over one and a half. I, I do think that Shavkat's going to take Jeff as seriously as they come. Jeff is tough. Uh, yeah. I don't see him just crumbling. And then the only spot I can see myself on at this point for either of the title fights is the gone side, especially as the, the line keeps moving and moving. I see over at Caesars right now, it's like minus 180 John Jones. Yeah, and it's still climbing it, too. Yeah, and it, it, we said a long time ago on a set the spread um, about Cyril Gone that he shouldn't, no one on earth should be as big of a number as, as uh, the number was unless they're a Greek god. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's time the Greek God holds gold. And I'm not talking interim gold, real gold. No, I don't disagree. Hopefully that line keeps running. Kobe, where's that parlay sitting at as we as we speak? Plus 609. That's read it out off the chart because I'm placing it. Cameron Simon, Ian yep. Gary, the Julian Marquez versus Mark Andre Burial fight to start round two. Okay. Gamrot over one and a half in Jeff Neal, Shavkat Rachmanov, and Valentina. So it's six it. fight, six leg parlay six. plus six oh nine. And it's a lock. So you're welcome. I just gave you plus six oh nine, everybody. Um I pretty much like everything at parlay. I'll go really quickly. Gonna lean Cyril Gone, like Matus Gamrot. Like Bo Nickel in the first minus two hundred, gonna lean Garbrandt, probably take it. Um, burial to start round two at minus or start round three at minus one fifteen against Marquez. Cameron Saban, I feel pretty safe to parlay, and that's it for me. Um, that'll do it for us here at the Ankle Pick headquarters. We'll see them back here when next weekend, bright and early for Marab Yan. Bright and early for Marab Yan. Excited for that week. I'm very excited for this week. Next week will be fun too. No, we're in a we're about to get into a great stretch. Who's signing us off? Kobe, take it, because my voice hurts. Two, four. Oh, oh. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.